from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms. Treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. We're raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased them off with a broom. Welcome to the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Rocky LaFleur, and I've got... My famous co-host, the Fishing Report and Gobbling Report man himself, Mr. Josh Webb. And we have got one of my favorite people, favorite hunting partners in the world, guest co-hosting with us today, Mr. Troy Ress. How are you doing today, guys? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? <laughs> what you what did you say when the when the fat lady came on to record, Troy? Well, it, you you hit the record button and it said this call may be recorded. And my first thought was, well, first of all, they didn't tell me it was being recorded. Second of all, I need to call an attorney. And third of all, whenever I call anywhere and and I hear that, I just hang up. Because <laughs> they, they dang yeah. sure ain't giving you nothing, and they wanting you to buy something. So I don't, I don't know where we're at with this, but I'm I'm willing to That's, go along. So let's let's you know, go. I, I've always thought about it. Um, you know, when it, it, that's fine. If they record it, okay. But if are they really going to use whatever interview they had with me as a training module, I'm going to hate it for that person because yeah. uh, it's hard It's hard enough for me to understand myself talking. So Exactly. I, <laughs> my luck, I'll be, in some seminar, I'll be in some seminar someday and I'll be like, oh, man, that's me. Holy smokes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Can you imagine the person that gets me and they record it? Listen, I'm probably the joke around the office. Hey, y'all listen to this redneck from Mississippi talk. (laughs) Speaking of redneck from Mississippi, is y'all's trees budding out up there like ours all down here? They are. It's not quite, even though we're not an hour and a half apart, um, it's not quite as much, but I was in the woods for a few hours today checking cameras and scouting and it, it's greener than i thought it was um even you know down in the woods and, and stuff uh versus you know what you just ride by and see on the road it it's it's pretty green um up in the woods it's gonna come quick boys it's gonna be here before you know it but you, but know, you know we always get that we always get that little easter freeze that's coming too you know troy i um uh, get stove all one of Troy and I's really, really good friends got married this weekend, and it was in Macomb, deep in South Mississippi. Now, not as far south as Troy is from, but 
anyway, we were riding down the roads and, and we got to just south of Jackson and from about there all the way to Macomb. Man, it was Incredible. green. I mean, the the azaleas are in full bloom. Mm-hmm. I tell you how you really notice this, and, and and you can really see it. And you used to, I know you used to fly a lot, an old ex-pilot that you are. But you get in the plane and fly this time of the year, and you can really see it change as you're traveling because you can see it from the air so much better. And it's amazing to leave the North Country, you know, North parts of Mississippi, and start traveling down the interstate. And it's like, holy smokes, man! It's like June down there. I mean, it is really, really great. Azaleas usually bloom what end of March. First of April? Yeah, usually around usually around, you know, Easter, around that world. I mean I'm I'm afraid what's gonna happen this year is what happened several years ago. Everything's gonna bud out and we're gonna get one of those Arctic blasts that's gonna come in here and just kill everything and we won't have an acorn at all this year. <clears throat> Man. But Look out Hey, God knows what he's doing. I ain't I can't complain. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was telling y'all earlier. I was I was running a little bit late for for the podcast, and I came on there, and they said, "Well, there's Rocky. He's late as usual." No, I I really was late today. We we have a men's Bible study here at the hunting lodge during the week, and mm-hmm. anyway, when I walked into my mud room, I had taken some ducks out, and I was going to cook ducks for the men that's that's coming in tomorrow night for the Bible study, and I walked in to my mud room and open the door and there's blood all over the floor. I just well, I took these gonna, things I thought, out. I thought you was going to say one of the ducks was standing up in the living room. He'd have run around in there. <laughs> He'd just been hanging out for a month or two. Yeah. In the freezing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, it, you it was, and I was like, oh, man. I, I walked in there at 620. And we were going to start recording at like 6.30 this afternoon, and I was cleaning up blood for 15 minutes, so I apologize for running all late. Happened? I mean, they just, they just thawed out, they, or did something happen to the freezer, and it all thawed out? No, no. they I thought I'd set them in the floor a few hours ago. Oh, okay, I got I thought it was going to take I thought it was going to take yeah. till in the morning to thaw them out, but these things are, and, and the bags were leaking, so... You've got like it's, 17 cats around there that can clean up that blood for you. Just let them in the door. <laughs> oh, God. I opened the, so I opened the door. That, that, and you know me too well. So I opened the door, and these freaking cats go crazy over this blood trail. Well, can you blame them? It's free food. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, I did make it, and I'm glad we have you on with us, Troy. Because, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you 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 had some duck blood running around all over the floor, and you know it did it it doesn't surprise me, you know, why you relate. That's a, that's a very good excuse, and um, I noticed you you brought the Bible study in on it, so we wouldn't get mad at you. I, I get it. I understand. That's <laughs> <laughs> bad, but it crossed my mind too. I said, well, he knows we'll get mad at him, so he, exactly. He, that's it. But, for anybody that's cleaned up blood, I mean, you know how rough it is. I mean, you have to clean the blood up. Then you, I, I take hot water, wipe it up with that, mm-hmm. and then you put the disinfectant. So it's a three-step process. To yeah, just, and, it and, then, and then and then tomorrow, Roy Ann will come to there and she'll go like, something smells in here, and you're going to be like, I don't know what that is, which is going to mean you didn't <laughs> clean it up right the first time. So you got to do it again. 
Yeah. Well, I don't have to worry about her being here till this weekend. So. Oh, well, it'll be all right, man. Just leave the cats in that. They'll lick it up before smell gets there. <laughs> oh, God. All my hunting clothes will be covered in pee. You know how bad pee, cat pee oh, is. Oh, that's for cats. Mm, mm, oh, mm. man. So y'all boys ready for turkey season? Seems like duck season just ended yesterday. Well, the weather hasn't changed from the last week of duck season until now, so it still feels you got that right. the same. It feels the same outside. That That's right. what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, Troy. We were we last week on the podcast. We were talking about the when you have warm weather like this. How much does it put turkey season ahead? And you know that. This, for me, so hold on. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you the science behind it. Then I want to hear yeah. your experience behind mm -hmm. it because mm -hmm. there's no other. Uh, look, Troy's one of the top experienced turkey hunters, top five in the world. I would have to say, but you know the science behind it, Troy, is the the, the gobblers will start gobbling, but it's according to the National Wild Turkey Federation. The hens won't start nesting until right. the length of the day. They're okay. they're on it's all about period. it's all about sunlight and and, and the, the the hours of the day and how much light comes through to be able to bring that bring forth that process. I mean, think about regular birds. I mean, even this time of the year, you don't see no birds building nests right now, other than Canada geese because they always nest early. Um, Normally, the Canada geese that stay down here, you know, they're already making nests right now. I've seen some around here in a couple of local golf courses that are already laying. But um, the, the, the wild turkey, the hen dictates the whole mating process. And, and it's it's all based on the length of daylight hours um, that, that's come. You know, the temperature, I mean, goodness gracious. Turkeys, in all honesty, they gobble all year if they want to. Um, the reason they gobble so much this early in the season is because all you gobblers are still wadded up together. So when one gobbles, they all gobble, and and that's just the way they are. They're all, you know, you got let's say you got a tree full of five or six two-year-olds, and, and a couple of jakes roosting 60 yards from them, and a couple of four and five-year-olds roosting over there. All it takes is one of those jakes to wake up in the morning and just yawn wrong, and they're all going to gobble. It's just what they do at this time of the year. They're starting to feel it. Just like whitetails, um, you take a whitetail deer, you know, in, in the early season, especially out west where I get to hunt when they're still in velvet a lot, it's amazing to watch those deer. You can go three days before the season and watch five different velvet bucks come into a alfalfa field, and all five of them will come together. But the, the, the day the first one starts to shed his velvet, he becomes a different critter. And his attitude changes, his testosterone levels changes, everything changes in him. And all of a sudden, what you'll see is the next day you'll see four of them come out. And what that one buck that already shed, he'll come out by himself somewhere else. And then the next buck, buck will shed out and he'll come out somewhere else. They won't hang together anymore. And turkeys do the same thing. But as far as the turkey season being over early or starting early, you know what? I, I've, I've seen turkeys, when I was living in West Point working at Mossy Oak, I've seen turkeys gobble all the way into June. Um, I used to have one behind my house i never forget one time me and Toxie were shooting an opening for one of our videos, and he came to my house. It was June 7th, and there was a turkey out in the pasture strutting and gobbling. And Toxie said, what is wrong with him? I said, I don't know. I guess he doesn't know the season closed, so as far, as far as I'm concerned, let's go kill him. We didn't, but that was the idea. And 
and I've seen them out. I've seen them in Nebraska and Texas and places like that. When you got wads and wads of turkeys, they gobble all year long. Um, they're a bird. They like to sing. They like to make noise. And this time of year, they're all wadded up together, and they're just they're just feeling their oats like a bunch of kids at a pep rally, pretty much, you know. But I don't think it. I don't think the season's going to end uh, early or be over quicker than everybody thinks it is, because the hens know. They know they've got to have a certain amount of daylight hours for those eggs to stay a certain temperature. And a hen will not start setting on her eggs until she finished laying is finished laying all her eggs. So if she's got 15 eggs in her body from the time she she mates with the gobbler and she starts laying her eggs, you know, however many days it is, I can't remember, but once she starts laying those eggs, she may lay an egg every day or every two days or every three days, but until she gets all those eggs out of her body and on that nest and the daylight hours are right and the temperatures are right, then she'll start sitting on that nest because what she can't do is sit on that nest and then get off and sit on that nest and get off. She she sits it until those eggs hatch. Now, she'll get off and go feed a little bit, but those eggs have to stay a certain temperature for them to start incubating and do what they do. And the hen dictates the whole mating process, so it's all up to her. So what you're saying is if you're hearing them gobble, don't worry about it right now. No, what's going to happen is everybody's going to hear Everybody's out listening right now because they're fired up and turkeys are going to be gobbling. And then about six or eight or ten days into the season, they're going to all start getting with hands, and they're going to shut up, and everybody's going to think it's over. But they do that. They do that every single year. Everybody hears them early. Man, we got a pile of turkeys. We got a pile of turkeys. And then five days into the season, they can't find a turkey. They think somebody's been poaching my place. Well, no. The turkeys are doing what they're supposed to do. The gobblers have made their presence known. They got with the hens. The hens came to them, and now they just they may gobble two or three times in a tree, and then they hit the ground, and they just strutting around their girlfriend all day. But by about the last 10 days of the season, you can pretty much kill them with a stick when they're looking for girlfriends once those hands start laying. And I know I make that sound easy, but in in in, in all my hunting all across the country, especially here in the south, and we all know the turkeys that we hunt here are the toughest in the world as far as I'm concerned. And the turkeys down here, I mean, last year, the last, set, last six or seven days of the season last year were absolutely incredible. I was praying it would have stayed open another week. It was that good. Turkeys were gobbling hard. They were coming to the calls. It was just absolutely incredible. But prior to that, it was, you know, you'd go five or six days, you might hear turkeys, but you'd get, get one good hunt in where you felt like you worked a turkey. But other than that, they shouldn't have nothing to, do, nothing to do with you. But goodness gracious, those last seven or eight days, it was it was unreal. It was awesome. No, I, I agree with that completely. And it, and it was that way. Um, you know, years ago I started when I started keeping a journal. Um mm-hmm. and and the reason I started keeping it was because I started noticing every year that there was well anyway, two years in a row there, there was a time frame, a seven to ten day time frame when it seemed like everybody that I knew killed a turkey. So I was like, mm-hmm. Well dang, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna start keeping a journal from start to end and see if that time period comes about at the same in, during the same time period in the season every year and mm-hmm. it happens that same 7 to 10 day stretch but I'm in my it's 13th or 14th year keeping that journal and that that stretch that that the, the dates only line up um about one in every 5 or 6 years <laughs> it, yeah. now it's, I it, agree. It, it, it it's it's close some years 
and there's still a stretch of days where where you know it seems like you know everybody around you and yourself included is is killing turkeys but um but but so anyway that's what made me start keeping a journal years ago was I wanted to see if you know, I thought I'd figure something out you know <laughs> but yeah. but you, had, you know you it, but, the but next, it's interesting the next to see turkey it. info sure and you know what? I, here's what I tell people: it's no different than deer. It's it's just a turkey rut, is all it is. I mean, you look at the rut. You go to Kansas and places where the buck doe ratio is really right out in the Midwest. You you got you got about a seven to a ten day period where the rut is kicking. You got pre rut, you got the rut, and then you got post rut. But that that true pre rut time when those bucks are on their feet and they're doing their thing, it, it's a small window. That's why everybody tries to go out there that first week in November because that's that's when it happens. And the turkeys are do they do the same thing. Everything's based on what has to happen because of the, 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 the weather that the climate that these animals live in. You take elk. You look at elk and moose and all those animals that live in the in this part of the world where if you're in, if if their calves aren't born at a certain time, they're not gonna make it. They're gonna die in the winter. They they they'll they'll, they'll die. So they they have to breed early. That's why elk breed the first fifteen days of September. Because if they waited to November and then they had their babies the next year, which would be in October. They'd be dead by November. So, That's right. Well, again, you know what? What else is even interesting? Talking about it, which I, I'm I'm from North Mississippi. I'm from Northeast Mississippi. I've lived, been in around the Delta for about ten years now. But anyway, but even comparing that stretch of days uh, in turkey season. It's it's off by by really close uh, the same amount of days as it is like you're talking about with deer, um, deer rut at a, a different mm-hmm. time down here in the Delta than they do North Mississippi and that stretch of sure enough hot like seems like you can't do anything wrong in the turkey woods days it's a different set of days uh, it, it's off by just by just a few days from here yeah. as it is yeah. just 150 miles north of here. Exactly, and that's and that's that's kind of you know doing what I'm blessed to do for a living. We kind of I, I always say this: we chase the rut. I chase the elk rut. I chase the deer rut. I chase the turkey rut. You know, it, it's sad to say it. Not not sad to say it, but it's truthful to say that that ducks have a rut too. You look at the very end of the season when you start seeing mallards and all these other ducks pairing up. Number one, that's when they're the prettiest. That's when their plumage is the best. You take blue winged teal right now when when May rolls around. That's when blue-winged teal are absolutely gorgeous. That's the prettiest time of the year. If you want to kill a duck to mount it, that's the time to do it. If it's le- if you could do it legally, but you can't. But there's a certain time of the year that everything is 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 set to do what they have to do because of their time frame. And and again, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, God knows what He's doing. And and we try to change it and figure it out and do all of this, but it's pretty simple. He's got to figure it out. He built it. He he brought it into existence, and it's the way it is. And it's it's a no-brainer. You just gotta you gotta pay attention to what you're doing out there, and just like you did, you actually talked about doing a a, a journal. A journal is a great way to keep up with what's going on. It's, all it is, it's your own personal almanac. And gosh, it's actually fun to look back and go, man, this is starting to make sense, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what you know. Every every year, uh, of course, now it, it takes me about two nights. But it started out the night before season. I would read back through all the through all of it. Now, like I said, there's so many years of it it takes me about two or three nights but that's something i do every year you know two or three nights leading up to season is uh that's what i do and and not only that but um you know on certain properties that you know uh, through the years there's been properties that you know we get permission to hunt and maybe only get to hunt of the year or two but but the two or three main properties that, that we have to hunt um 
you know, there's certain areas where every year there's turkey killed. Um, you start to notice those kind of things in, in the same way. Uh, you know, I, I've done the same thing with, uh, with deer, which I mostly only bow hunt, but, but every year kind of in one little corner of, you know, <clears throat> of where some CRP meets hardwoods, there's always a big deer. Now, well, now not every year we kill him and it's kind of the same thing with turkey. Not every year we kill him, but every year there's one that rules roost right in the, you know, a certain area. But you start noticing things like that, and it's cool to look back. And I'm gonna tell you what, it's helped me kill some turkeys. Um, oh man, looking, it, it looking, it builds, you know, look, that's right. That's right. Well, it helps me know, you know, yeah, dang, they had, they, they've shut up. Maybe they're not saying anything, or it's a, it's crappy weather. What did I do? You know, it may sound crazy. But what did I do three years ago when the weather was, you know, just about, you know, crappy, rainy, whatever, windy? Mm-hmm. But it was in this same time frame. What did I do? And it worked, or it didn't work. And it you, it you definitely helped me. Um, you want to so, so it's more than anybody is fish, fishing, bass fishing. Those guys that fish the tournament trail, buddy, they will right. go back on notes. These guys are riding around in their boats now with their computers in the boat, and they're like, "Where did I fish three years ago?" Well, I'm gonna go right here, and sure enough, it's it's it. There it is, right on top of them again. Yep, that's it. That's right. Latroy, let me I, let me ask you this because I, I know the listeners. Um, that know who you are. I know you're from South Louisiana, and mm-hmm. if if you've ever been to the South Louisiana, there's not a lot of turkey woods around. Tell yeah. us a little background story. How how did you get into a to turkey hunting? Because because you worked on a boat most of your young life. I grew up but, on a trawl boat most all my life. My my family we commercial fish for a living. Um, I was a, as, as they called me in high school, the shrimp head. But everybody made fun of me in high school, and then they all wanted they all wanted a job when we got out of high school. But I grew up on a trawl boat and didn't really didn't I didn't start turkey hunting until um, later in, in in life, up in my late late teens. Um, I started deer hunting in Mississippi uh, back when everybody used to dog hunt, and then um, started hunting up in Utah, Alabama, with some friends in a hunting club up there, and got into turkey hunting uh, in Alabama, actually, and started hunting there with an older gentleman that that uh, kind of turned me on to it. And, man, it, it when it got me, it bit me like a bug. I mean, I was like, all right, this is this is something I can do at a time of the year when nothing else is going on because as a commercial fisherman, you're not doing a lot in the spring. Um, our, our trawling seasons, which was a shrimp season, didn't really open until May, which was the very first season. You had May, June, July season, then it would close, then you had August season that would open up, and then you'd trawl from August to December. Um, but we traveled the whole Gulf Coast, and we traveled from Texas uh, all the way to Florida when you used to be able to commercially fish Florida waters, and then that all changed now. It's all recreational fishing. Um, and, I mean, I lived on a boat pretty much, uh, our our boat was was just like home. We had central air and we had a, a huge boat. And when I started turkey hunting, uh, again, it was one of those sports that I could do at a time of the year um, that I wasn't very busy in. And and I always been really really good at calling ducks. I, I had one of those. You hear people talk about that guy's got the ear for music. Well, I had an ear for wildlife, and and I loved calling ducks. Growing up in South Louisiana, that's what I did. And when I started playing with the with the whole turkey end of it, first time I heard you know, turkeys yelp, and I was like, well, that's easy, and I tried to mimic it with my voice and did pretty good, and then I got some turkey calls and started playing with that, and, you know, 
immediately, the first time I ever put a turkey call in my mouth, I had a, a, a sound coming out of it, and I thought, well, I don't know why everybody says this is so hard. It's pretty doggone easy. And it, it started there, and I used to lease a place over in Prentice, Mississippi um, that, that I had back in the late 80s, well, mid-80s, all the way up until the early 90s um, that I turkey hunted on. And how I got into business was pretty cool. Um, I was actually hunting my place there in Prentice, and at the time I was still living in Louisiana, and I was doing some freelance work for a couple of the television stations down in New Orleans. Channel 4, Channel 6, and Channel 8, and I had a friend of mine that worked for Channel 8, and uh, the reason I, the real reason I got in to try to work at those television stations to do some freelance work was to get my hands on those big television-style cameras and bring them into the woods, and still to this day, uh, those folks there that didn't even know that I was carrying a camera home to shoot news for them, but I was also carrying that camera turkey hunting. They they don't know that to this day. <laughs> but um, I was actually at my place in Prentice turkey hunting, and um, I used to eat at a little restaurant down there called the Country Kitchen. And I didn't I didn't know who owned it, didn't know anybody around there. But I was you know back in in those days, which is the very early eighties. Um, Preston Pittman, Will Primos, Ray I, Dick Kirby, all those guys were the you know the 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 cats meow when it came to the turkey hunters or anybody that that was truly making turkey calls in the industry for a business. And I was sitting in there eating one day, and in walked Preston Pittman. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. You know, I was like, you know, John Elway walking in while you're eating at that point in time in my life. And I'm like, holy smokes, that's Preston. But I didn't say anything. It's pretty, had a, and had it's pretty really good to hear guy. Preston tell this story too, Troy. It yeah. Is. And, uh, and 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 he walks in and, and he's with a big old gentleman and they sit down and I'm like, holy smokes, man, this guy, I gotta go say hello. And you know, I'm starstruck. I don't want to go just barge in on him. He's eating lunch, so finally I walk over there and him and Tommy's eating lunch. And uh, it, it was Tommy Bowen who it was who used to work for Preston at the time, and our dear friend Tommy who lost his life to a um, he was transporting a, a criminal uh, there in Prentice here to Jackson and. He somehow got a hold of one of the guns and shot him and his partner on in their car uh, on the transport. So I went and introduced myself, and we got to talking and asked him if they were turkey hunting. He said, yeah, we didn't do any good. And he asked me how I did. I said, we did good. I said, got one. He says, really? I said, yeah, you want to see? He said, yeah, we'll come take a look at it. Well, he thought I meant come look at the turkey, but I wanted to show him the footage because I was filming a buddy of mine that killed the young boy that I leased some land from his daddy. And... uh so I went and got the camera, came in and showed it to him, and them two were looking at the footage, looking at me and Preston. I could just see wheels turning in his head, but I'm 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 not really paying attention. I'm just still star starstruck that I'm talking to Preston. So we went about our ways. We said hello and everything. Well, about a week later, I came. I was turkey hunting again, and they showed back up there. Well, to make a long story short, on that end, Tommy Bourne's mama owned that restaurant there in Prentice. And they ate there all the time. Tommy ate there pretty much every day during turkey season. Well, I met up with them again, and uh, we got to talk, and they wanted to know if we did any good. I said, no, turkey's gobbled a little bit. Just had one that was hand up, couldn't do nothing with him. And Preston said, well, let me ask you something. He says, what are you doing next week? I said, I'll probably just probably be working and then come up here and do some turkey hunting or something. He says, mm-hmm. He says, um, you want to go to Florida? I think in Florida. We want to go to Florida for a spring break. He says, no, turkey hunting. I was like, you want me to go to Florida with you? 
He says, yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to come video for us. I'm like, man, you crazy. You, you just, I'm looking around to see if anybody's, you know, you remember that old, I don't know if y'all remember, maybe y'all probably old enough, that old, that show that used to be on Candid Camera. I thought somebody just played a trick on me, you know. I'm looking around, and sure enough, he was actually inviting me to come video for him and, and, and also hunt. And so I came, I drove back down to Louisiana and told my wife about it. She looked at me and she's like, you going where? I said, Florida. She says, you know it's spring break. I'm like, ah, whatever. She says, yeah, you're going turkey hunting. I know where you're going. I said, I'm telling you. So anyway, make a long story short, that's where it all started. And I worked for Preston for several years. Um, even when Preston didn't have any money to pay me, I was just going just to go. And, and, and when he did pay me, we did, he didn't couldn't afford to pay me much because he was doing all he could to make a living but but it was a it was a blessing in disguise to be able to befriend him and 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 we're still great friends to this day and uh, he used to come down to south louisiana i'd take him catching redfish and that was the funniest thing you ever wanted to see man him him catching redfish is like <laughs> it's, it's so fun i'll never forget he can get fired up just oh talking God. about certain things, I would love to see him hooked to a full Yeah, if you ever get to turkey hunt with him, he's, I, don't, I don't think he does it anymore. He may still do it, but he used to get so worked up that when he got out there to get to the turkey, he'd start throwing up. <laughs> really? <laughs> I've never oh, yeah. heard that one. That's funny. Oh, it's, like, it's hilarious. I used to laugh so much at him, and he'd get so mad. Turn that camera off. I'm like, no, man, I'm going to keep this. This is good stuff. <laughs> Anyway, so and proud of that. What were y'all doing, Troy? What were y'all doing with the footage that y'all were filming? If this is what eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty five, We were doing a video back then called "Making Memories." You know, Preston did the his first video was a double grand slam of the wild turkey. He killed two of each turkey of each subspecies in one season, and him and Phil DeFada and Tommy. Uh, had a big group of guys that traveled all over the country, and he put that video together and, and went about two years without doing a, a, a video. And then um, when I came on board, I helped him get that back going and, and started uh, making memories uh, videos. It was a series back in the VHS days that that we did. And, and then several years down the road, I had an opportunity to, to go to work at Mossy Oak and um, through our through Preston's Preston's blessings and and us talking about it, he said, "Man, you need to take advantage of that." So in ninety in ninety three, well, it was actually ninety it had been ninety four. Uh, Cuz uh, came and talked to me at the the shot show when it was in Dallas, and I was there with Preston, and he came and visit with me, and um, that was in February, and and in March I went to work at Mossy Oak in March of ninety four, and we started hunting the country in ninety five. And uh, I spent 14, 14 to 15 years down at Mossy Oak and then came over here and moved down the, to Jackson and went to work with Wilbur and helping Brad and Wilbur when they were doing the truth about hunting. Started that in 2004 and um, stayed there till about 2009 and left for a couple of years. And now I'm back there again. Uh, Jimmy called me back and about three years ago and said, man, I'd love for you to come back and be a part of what we're trying to accomplish. And. Uh, doing what we do with with the truth about hunting and doing all of our whitetail stuff that we do here in the south, it's it's a blessing to be able to do that because you there's so much history up and down that river and it's it's a it's a great format for us to to be able to share with with the outside world what it's like to hunt uh, whitetail deer in in the Mississippi River bottoms is just 
there's nowhere in America that looks like that, and it's it's a, to me it's a totally different critter um, and a totally different way of hunting them. So it's it's been fun. It's been it's been thirty some odd years I've been doing this, and uh, I sit down sometimes and look through some of the pictures and and helps me remember a lot of the things that that I I don't say I forgot, but you, you do so much and you go so much, you tend to things start to slip your mind as you get older. But you start looking at pictures and gosh, it brings back so so many memories. And the neatest thing I've done in this business is just the friends that I've made. You know, it's not about the big deer, the big elk, or the moose, or the trips to Africa, or all the things that I've been blessed to do. It's the people that I've been blessed to meet and the people that that God has surrounded me uh, with. And you know wouldn't be for this business, it wouldn't be for this industry. I wouldn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I came to know Jesus duck hunting with Phil Robertson in 1999 in duck blind. And you think God can't get your attention when he's ready. He'll get your attention and he'll he'll, he'll convict you right there no matter where you are. And he just put me in the right place at the right time with the right people. Funny, Phil wanted to baptize me right there in, in that pond that day. It was like 18 degrees. I was like, Phil, it's cold out here, man. I said, I've been dry all week. Why would I want to get wet now? <laughs> and that was at the beginning of the uh, the fame for the Duck Commander, the late nineties. Well, you know, it, well, the late nineties. Phil had never been in, he had never been on TV at the time, and I had to beg him. You know, he was he was a part of our. Uh, we, we sponsored his his Duckman series back in the day, and and um, I was wanting to do a really. You know, I love waterfowl hunting. I, I love filming it. I love shooting it. I love hunting it. I love producing it. It just makes great TV when you got the right people in front of the camera, and. And I had to, I had to beg him. I mean, in Phil's mind at that time, we were we were competition. Um, in in the day of selling VHS tapes and DVDs through Walmart, and he had, his first question to me was, "Well, if you come to Texas and do do some stuff about me, who's going to get the footage?" I said, "Well, I'm going to get the footage." I said, "It's um, it's our footage." I said, "But Phil, you you've never been on TV." You've done your DVD series, and, you know, I, I can remember sitting in Phil's shop down at his house, and, you know, if you look at what Duck Commander has now, where they do all their business as far as building duck calls and stuff, I can remember Phil's first shop was no bigger than a 10 by 10 shop. It was a little bitty hole in the wall. Phil would sit down and put calls together and kick the door with his feet and spit out the door, and the door would shut, and that's how big his office was. And, you know, I said, man, I said, I think this could be big for you and it could help you to get the word out of who the Duckman really is. And back in those days was when we were still on TNN. We wasn't even on the Outdoor Channel yet. And I had to pretty much beg him to do it. And he finally agreed to do it. And, man, it it it, it went crazy after that. And, you know, same thing with the Drury's and same thing with, Gosh, so many that I've been so blessed to work with. You know, Mark and Terry were a big part of our Mossy Oak team and still are to this day. And I, I spent a lot of time with those guys producing great TV. Dick Kirby, Preston, Will, Brad, Jimmy. Just so many that, that have, have taken it on and, and went a little bit further and, and did their own thing in this business that we call the outdoor industry. And, and no matter, I really feel this, no matter how much competition you feel like you are with somebody else i know without a shadow of that if i had to make a phone call right now and i needed somebody they would drop what they do and they come do it that's how tight niche this this industry is even though there is still competition when it comes to to business and companies you know one thing that's always been really really cool to me <clears throat> is like just the, the names and the time 
time period, time frame you were just talking about, uh, it's always been amazing to me that I know if you look at the outdoor industry today, it I mean, it just it it looks like a three ring circus. I mean, with so much stuff going on, but if 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 you if you just start if you just take the time to sit down and just kind of in your mind start you know connecting the dots, everything leads back to those names you just said and 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 toxic stuff in there too. But those names, that time period, those you know it yeah fifteen twenty guys during that time that absolutely they all had you know something going on and yet they are you know technically I guess. Uh, you know, competitors in the in the marketplace, but mm-hmm. but they were all trying to do. They were all passionate about the same stuff. They just, you know, I mean, every man's got a different way of thinking, so they all ended up, you know, kind of doing their their own deal. But it's always amazing to me. Everybody talks about and the industry's huge. The industry's huge, and you can't can't do this because of that, or this doesn't have. And I'm, it, but but really and truly, it's pretty simple. It, you can boil it, it down to very, uh, very, uh, very 15, 15, 20 names. And uh, you know, an eight, ten year stretch where uh man, the the dream team came about and mm-hmm. and, 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 and and I mean Remember it, the dream that's team? always always been amazing to me. And then when you said uh, I smiled real big a minute ago when you said T N because I am uh, I, I'm not I'm not that old but I do remember watching stuff on T N E N that was I mean, that was some good shows back then. Uh, man, and that I was know, that was good T V. <laughs> I'll never forget the first episode we aired of Hunting the Country. Cuz and I wasn't even here. We 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 built the show, put it together. I I can remember leaving West Point. I would leave my edit room, and I would jump in my truck with with a master, and I would drive all the way to Memphis to FedEx that thing to Nashville to get it to TNN so it could air that weekend. That's that's how. I mean, we 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 were learning as we were going. And I'll never forget the first show that I had. Cousin and I went South Dakota deer hunting. And both of us, we didn't have cable television or satellite where we were. So we had to rely on getting on the telephone. And we we called his wife, Miss Pam. And she sat in the living room at her house and held the phone by the TV so we could hear the show air. We didn't even get to watch the very first show air. And we both sat right there and looked at each other and cried like two little babies because we accomplished something that we had no idea what we were really doing at that point. But but we worked so hard together at it to make it come together and 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 to look back at that day to where we are now. And whenever I see Cuz, I always say that. I said, did you ever think it would turn into this? He said, it's crazy. And, and television, it's sad to say, television has ruined a lot of people in this industry. Um you know, everybody runs after that fame and fortune and thinks that because they kill this giant deer or they kill this big 200-inch deer or they do this, it's gonna it's gonna turn them into somebody. But it's really not. It's 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 hunting. It's still the hunt. It's still what we love to do, and we do it because of a passion. The reason we did TV, the reason we did DVDs, the reason we started VHS, the reason Wilbur started doing what he was doing, everybody was doing that based on infomercials. And who better to promote your product than yourself? Surround well, yourself you- with the right with the right people and, and good things happen. That's right. It wasn't it wasn't long ago. Um I was out at the lodge with Rocky and and um yes I am uh technically due to my age a part of this younger crazy generation but 
but Rocky can tell you I'm, I'm nothing like him. And anyway, we got to talking about TV and just everything going on in the industry. And I went off on one of my rants, and <laughs> I, poor Rocky just sat there with his eyes as big as golf balls. But that, but that, that's why because because I remember, and it's not that it doesn't exist today. It it does in certain shows and certain films. But I remember when every time you turned on the TV. It didn't matter if you were watching Jimmy Houston catch fish or watching Hunt the Country. It was about the animal, and it was about the respect and the love for everything, for everywhere that animal lived and everything that was about. It had nothing to do with killing the animal. It had everything to do with the that, that experience. And, and, I mean, now... With the majority of TV, you turn it on, and it's it's it's. Or you know how it's going to happen. It's you're going to watch, you're watch the kill. show, and the last few minutes of the show, somebody's going to kill something. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And you know, and it's and then it's like it's uh, it's not cool unless it's a 150 inch deer, and it's not it's not uh, you know it doesn't it's count basic. unless you're only shooting greenheads, and, and I'm just you know where did that where did it and, and I understand it, it, it came and from I, the and chase, I, and it's chase sad of the but I, I truly fight that in the duck the duck side of it because I, I love the waterfowl duck, duck hunt and waterfowl hunt more than anybody but it's called duck hunting if that sucker flies <laughs> and it comes in right. the decoys I'm shooting right. and, and, and I got some friends that I hunt with that I, I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you a story real quick about ducks and how it works I'll never forget this would have been in 2000 and maybe six, I think it was, six or seven, probably six. We were at, was when Wilbur first bought his place in Belzona. And, man, we were trying trying to, to make these ducks do right and get good footage and whatever. And We had been we had been putting in for Golden Moose Awards, Golden Moose Awards, and we'd been getting nominated for this, nominated for that. Nothing was happening. You know, there's a lot of, lot of industry leaders in there doing well. But anyway... We were sitting there one morning hunting. We were sitting in this blind and green heads. It was one of those days where it just wasn't going to happen. They would circle and circle and they'd keep going. And I'm watching I'm watching these ringnecks pile into this one little spot. And I'm sitting there and it's, it's me, Dean Davis, Brad Ferris, Will Walker, Chris Ashley, Big Keith, the whole gang. And, and, and what it is, it's one big blind that we had on that place and you could hunt. One group could hunt on the south end of the blind. One group could hunt on the north end of the blind. We had a little competition going. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm videoing, and I'm watching these divers pile into this one spot. And everybody's getting aggravated. And they said, y'all ready to go? I said, look. I said, y'all y'all want to go? They said, yeah, let's go. It ain't going to happen. I said, let's do this. I said, I've been watching these divers come into that one spot, and, and, and I won't mention no names, but one of them says, here we go. Old coon ass from South Louisiana wants to go shoot divers. I said, look, y'all just hear me out. I said, if those ducks keep doing what they're doing right there, and I think they will because it was a real windy day, I said, let's go over there and have some fun. I said, it's duck hunting. So we went over there, and man, when, when we started shooting ducks, and they kept coming, and we just were evolving people out of there as, as they killed their limit, when I put that show together and sent it to the, to the Outdoor Channel for the Golden Moose Awards, we won the best waterfowl footage for the year off of a bunch of ringneck ducks. <laughs> But, but when you watch it, everybody that's everybody that's ever watched that segment went, that is the most fun I've ever seen anybody have duck hunting. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, you know, Rocky and I through the winter this year, you know, we did a we were doing a weekly live migration report, and after about mm-hmm. three weeks of it, people started getting really tired of hearing me and Rocky talk about how good the duck hunting was in Venice, and everybody was like, <laughs> "There's no mallards in Venice." I said, "Well, I'm not giving a mallard report. I'm telling you where to go if you want to shoot ducks, and if you want to go do it." And 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 that was the and, and and it was funny because by midway through the season, a little past midway, New Year's kind of through there. Anyway, uh, you know, people were, uh, and I guess they found the the people who who kept up with it. I guess they finally got over it, and and then then it became, um, you know, okay, well, if we wanted to know where a mallard concentration was where is it because we know what you're going to say about about this but that was a point we tried to drive home was look we're not on here to to try and tell you where to go and and, and only shoot mallards um i mean yes there's places where your chances of that may be high but this is a duck hunting site this is a duck hunting this is this, this is all about duck hunting so we're going to tell you where ducks are and and that, you know and that's one thing that drives me crazy. You know it it really drives really drives me crazy to see people. Um, and and Rocky and I talked in length about this on a podcast one day. Is you'll see a picture. Of course, that's the cool thing now. You know you you got to. Oh, that's you what I was getting ready to say. Nobody pictures. wants to take a picture but, of one of the great ducks, but they want to look. Well, look, that's it. the thing is you can look at some of these pictures and there'll be a, a shoveler or three gadwalls or a wood duck tucked away over on the side of the picture or something and and. Man, I mean, why? If you're not proud of it, don't shoot it. But yeah, so I don't. Look, I don't you said understand. it earlier about deer. Same thing with deer. Nobody wants to kill a hundred and hundred and thirty inch five year old eight point. Look, I killed I killed a nine point this year on our place. He's probably twelve or thirteen years old. I'll show. I'll send y'all a picture of his jawbone. It's incredible how old his deer is, and I am more proud of that deer than anything I've ever killed. To know that I and after I killed him, I thought to myself, how cool would it have been? To be able to sit down and talk to that deer and let him tell me stories for the last that's five true. to ten years of his life. Yeah. And then, then you start thinking, this deer probably knows me by name, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, know, he knows you, knows your smell, knows the sound of yeah. your boiler. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, there, we, um, I, we, had a deer, we had two deer that were on, um, well, we had four years' worth of camera pictures of them before. They both ended up dead. One, I was lucky enough to kill. He's he's my biggest deer to date. The other one was, he was, well, I call him a spike. He did have, he he did have brow tines every year. But the first year we got pictures of him, it's some of the only deer we've ever got pictures of on on this place in the the Delta where we get them from velvet all the way to the end of the year. They just, they stayed Mm -hmm. pretty well put. Anyway, but when I killed this deer, uh, big 11 point, when I killed him mm, opening week that year, opening week of rifle season, I killed him. And then that ne- that February, that following February, I found that other deer, that spike, uh, found him dead, squirrel, and died of old age. Both of them were seven and a half, or eight and a half, excuse me, years old. And that's exactly what I got to think. I went back, and I've got, I don't know how many pictures of that 11 point through the years. I had pictures after pictures, pictures. But I... Very proudly have the skull of that of that spike. I mean, he had twenty one and a half inch main beams, but mm-hmm. he, I mean, it was huge. But but I and I told you know, my wife Katie, she's very passionate about hunting too. And both of us have had so many conversations about, man, 
we should have focused our attention on on that deer because what mm-hmm. a I mean we had we're lucky enough to have him, but but I mean what a when we when we walked up on him that day, he was laying there dead in the edge of a old cypress break, and I had more I had more respect and for for mm-hmm. that deer. Than, than any deer I'd ever killed. I, I, I did, Absolutely. and I said, man, it, it, and it was crazy that, that you know, I killed that deer, and they, they were in the same, I mean, both of them, and, and I just got to thinking, like, I wonder how many times these two deer passed each other in the last eight years. I wonder how many times, you know, anyway, you just get to thinking about stuff like that, yeah. and that kind of stuff gets, man, it gets I don't know. It just gets pushed to the wayside too much now. It, 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 it does. Uh, you know, people people more worry about how good they look in their picture, how many green heads are in their picture. Look, I grew up hunting Venice. I, we would, you know, trawling season was open at that time of the year, so that was my Thanksgiving vacation. That's what I, I stayed on the boat, and we would normally make two drags in the morning, and we always hunted in the afternoon. And man, I, I can remember some friends that I deer hunted with up here in Mississippi that would, man, they would they wanted to trade me their right arm and their left leg to come down there and shoot pintails and they would take me up here to shoot greenhead and I'm like, man, I'm good. You know, I, gosh, but, uh, there's not, to me, there's no finer sight than 25 gray ducks coming out of the stratosphere straight down to come in, coming into your decoys. Don't get me wrong, I love watching and, and calling to greenheads and they circle and circle and circle, but when them, when them gray ducks make up their mind in that part of the country, and you're you're on that X, you could be standing out in the decoys naked, waving your hands. They're coming. It doesn't really That's matter. Right. It don't matter. That's right. That's right. And, and the pintails and the snow geese, Lord have mercy. I can't tell you how many snow geese I've low crawled on that night. And that's the guy's honest truth. And they, they, you know, we we kept them in check. And then when they stopped us coon asses from crawling them up and shooting them, and then they started having problems with them. Now they're begging everybody to shoot. Yeah, that's right. Now now you can do whatever you want to. Just about. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. But man, I I don't know that that part of it, that part of hunting that it's changed, it's, it's, it's changed it's, so it's, much. It's changed so much. It just um, you know, I don't know. It, it, dri- it drives me crazy. Rocky knows. I, I go off on a rant about once a week, and it, well, I think I think just, we all do. Drives, There's so many people that 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 are are looking for their way, and they're using that to to try to you know make them somebody. Whereas in all reality, you know, professional sports are the same way. You know, football, baseball, basketball, it's not like it used to be. All that has changed. It's all based around money now. And you, you look at what we do in this business for the television side, you know, people that used to be, I mean, I know when we started hunting the country, people that used to be our sponsors now have their own show. So somebody's got to pay for this. The airtime's not cheap, so you got to figure out a way to pay for it. And there's some folks out there that have television shows right now that I sit down and look at and go, somebody in this organization has really deep pockets and has nothing better to do to try other than trying to make themselves look good on TV because I know they're not making any money because they're not selling nothing. The only thing they have to yeah. sell is their, their own name. And, and so, you know, why even be there other than to say, I have a TV show? And then your networks ruin it too because, when I was growing up, and, and you guys too, when you were watching TNN, you know, you had a block of, we had a, we had a two-hour block of outdoor programming on Sunday nights on TNN, and then it was gone. Well, shoot, now you can watch TV 24-7, 365 days a year. TV doesn't turn off anymore, and then with social media and all the things that we got going on, 
Nobody wants to wait for something good for another week. They want it right now. And as soon as it hits the ground, somebody's wanting to post it. You know, and it, it's 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 the changing times, and we just have to do deal what we can with it. But the bottom line is, I think if we all never forget where it came from, God gave us dominion over the, the, the birds of the air, the animals of the land, and the fish of the sea. But it's for us to make sure that no matter what we do, never take it for granted, and no matter where we're at and what we're doing, that he gets the glory for it all. That's the key. I'm I'm no better hunter than nobody else. There's some great hunters out there. I'm just fortunate that I get to go a lot, and I'm so thankful that God has blessed me with an occupation to feed my family, keep a roof over my head, and enjoy the passion and the love that I that I've, I've always loved about hunting. And look, if I ever think that I know it all, shame on me because I learn something every time I go out there. And if you go out there and don't come home with something that you've learned from that day, or don't keep a journal like you do, Josh, shame on you. And, and I just got a problem with the people that go out there and just take advantage of the natural resource because it's trying to it's trying to make them something. It's 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 not for ours to take. We're just borrowing it for a little while. Well, guys, I, I know we're I run, running a little bit short on time, but you know, I, I'm going to say this because he, I will say this, Troy, but whistling wings. And I know a lot of people is going to listen to this would would agree with me, but Whistling Wings, I think, is the best produced duck hunting show, DVDs, VHS tapes ever made. I, I believe it was that. a fun. It was uh, a fun it, time. But if you you look at look at the group of people we had involved in that, you had us at Mossy Oak, me, Toxie, Cuz, you had. The whole Avery group when they were growing, Fred Zink and I were, were hunting together. Me, Fred, Tom Matthews from Avery. We, we had such an elite group of guys at that time that were so passionate about what they were doing and just figuring it out as they went along. You know, now you got people that come out and they think they got it all figured out, and they they're basically bartering off of everything you already accomplished and trying to be something in that way. As you look at that group during the Whistling Wings era, you had the Duck Commander, you had Fred Zink, you had us, you had, gosh, you had everybody. You had Roy Rhodes, all of those guys, everybody. Um, John. Yeah, um, 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 I talked to Bo yesterday, bless his heart. And, and the group of people that helped us pull what we needed to do together, we were all helping each other. We were helping promote the sport of waterfowl hunting, and that was the key. And, and we kept that in perspective, and we kept it fun. And, and gosh, it was a, it was it, a great it time. Was... I miss it. I, I wish I still had a copy, and I'm not sure if I call Cuz I can get a copy of all that stuff. I, I miss looking at it. It was fun times. It was well, well was filmed, well, well is, produced. Is you could turn it on, and and it, like you said, of course you were there, Troy. But it was a fun time. It was a fun time to watch it. I mean, it was because everybody there was having fun. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. To be cool, it was. It was y'all are having fun. I mean, that's just yeah. the truth of it. And we, we, we um, were painting our face but, back in those days because we, we we had to hide them. Yeah, we wasn't doing it to be cool. Uh, now there's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not getting off on that. Well, anyway, well, Troy, uh, <laughs> Troy, what's what's in your plans? What's what's in yours and Primo's plans the next few weeks? Turkey hunting opening up. Well, we'll we'll start. Uh, well, we'll actually probably start Wednesday morning with a couple of kids close to the house here, and then um, I'll head to Florida next Thursday for about six days, and then I'll come home for about four or five days, and then I'm 
going to Mexico. Brad and I are going to Mexico to hunt a, a place. Um, a friend of ours that we actually elk hunt in Colorado, he has a buddy that has a place in Mexico. She's really right across the line. Um, and I'm interested to see how that's going to go because everybody that's going with us, nobody speaks Spanish but me. So I'm a, I'm going to order food and everything for everybody and make sure that they, you know, they eat stuff that they don't even know what they're eating. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll, we're going to do Kentucky and, and Alabama and Tennessee. And then we'll, we'll, we'll wind up finishing up in, in New Mexico, which is, my most favorite hunt of the season. It's actually the same place that we elk hunt, and it's it's pretty cool to end the the entire hunting season there, turkey hunting, and then three months, three months after, three or four months after that, you're right back on the same ranch, elk hunting, and and we do a little shed hunting while we're out there. So it's it's pretty fun. It's uh we don't run as hard as we used to for turkey season, but it's it's going to be a fun season. We'll have a good time. Well, I, I will say this: we we were going to talk a little bit more science about turkey hunting, but I'm going to have to ask you sometime in the next couple of weeks, I want to get you back on here after turkey season start and let's, yeah, let's talk about, let's right. talk about turkey hunting and the science. Let's do one right in the middle of turkey season and do one one night while, while we got a bunch of guys sitting around hunting camp or something. I can call you while I'm on the road and we'll just, we'll sit down and chit chat and talk about it. I'm most sure I'll learn something between now and three weeks from now or two weeks from now, like I said earlier, if you go in the turkey woods or the deer woods or duck hunting and you walk out of there not learning something, you wasted that day. That's the truth. You know, I, I will say this. I, I will say this about Troy. Troy and I, what was it, Troy? Three or four years ago, we went down to Florida, and I was going to kill yeah. my Osceola. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> and I'll tell you how good of a guy Troy is. We go down there, and I told Troy on the flight down there, I said, Troy, I don't care if you kill it. I don't care if I kill it. I said, all I want is if to go on the wall at the lodge. And I'll tell you how good of a guy Troy is. We're sitting there. I, I guess it's the next to last day. That's how it always works yeah. in your world. It seems it's it the does. last day it happens. <laughs> well, we're sitting you know, there. It, takes us four, it takes us four or five days to figure them out. <laughs> yeah. Well, we found two gobblers, what, 5.30 that afternoon? They were mm-hmm. feeding around out in a pasture. And Troy and I belly crawl and get in the bush. I get in one bush, Troy gets in the other one. And these two gobblers, Troy calls, and they start walking our way. And they stand in front of Troy's gun barrel for, what, five minutes? And I'm like, Troy, shoot the turkey. No, man, no, you shoot we sat there and argued <laughs> for that whole five we, minutes. I thought we were gonna. I thought we were gonna argue the turkey away. <laughs> and <laughs> finally, finally, the turkey get, gets in. I mean, because we're it's just two little single bushes kind of stuck out in the middle of that pasture. I'm I'm back. It was to actually one, right. Back it was right on the one. Yeah, it was on the edge of a big lake, and the turkeys were walking down the edge of the lake. Yeah. And I'm like, shoot, Troy, shoot, as as low as I could. And Troy would never shoot. And, and finally it walked in front of my gun barrel because you couldn't move. It, you could only kind of move it just a little up or down. There was no turning the gun side to side. Well, I never told you this, but I couldn't shoot because I never loaded my gun. Whatever. You didn't really. <laughs> no, my gun wasn't loaded. 
Troy probably pulled a trigger four times over there. <laughs> the only thing, ball. if you if I'd have been sitting close enough to you, I was going to tell you I can't shoot him. My gun ain't loaded, but I'll throw my gun at him if you want me to. <laughs> no, I never I never loaded I never loaded my gun. It, the boss gobbler. The I, now look, I, don't get me wrong. The the one that I killed, I, I think it had inch and a half, inch and five eighths spurs, but he was actually smaller. I know that's mm-hmm. hard to believe listening to this. But he was actually smaller. The bigger one stayed right in front of your gun barrel, and hit that mm-hmm. the one that I shot kind of crossed in front of him and walked right into my gun barrel, about fifteen yards away. But Great. most people um, now, now tell the truth. Troy's gun really was loaded. He was just very humble and waited on me to shoot because he wanted to see me shoot a turkey. And you can't look. A lot of people in the world, when their buddy's telling them to shoot, they're going to shoot. But Troy finds more joy, I guess, out of filming people or watching other people. And that's kind of a guy's heart. You you would rather see somebody else do it and have fun doing it. And, and Troy's my, my gun favorite was part loaded. Of that. Don't, don't let my him tell part the story because fa- it was loaded. My favorite part of that whole week was taking a, your picture with your turkey in front of the Disney World. Yeah, I, I've got that blown up. Man, that is a great picture. And you, with your camera, it was really, really good because we're right you, right at the gate of Disney you, World. These people are driving by. and All Rocky kept saying was, size. we're, we're going to go to jail. I'm like, I'm not going to jail. You're the one with the gun. I'm just taking a picture. <laughs> you got your gun out? I, I haven't seen this picture, but you got your gun out for the picture? You didn't just get out and fan the turkey out. You went full on with a gun and everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, right at the, the main <laughs> gate of Disney. Uh, I haven't seen that picture. You've been, I've heard the story, but I, I haven't seen the picture. Uh, I still got that well, picture on my phone. One of my favorite pictures is Rocky standing in front of Disney World going, I'm going to Disney World. I got me a nice little boy. <laughs> oh, man. That's oh, good stuff. Man, some of those pictures hey, let, let, that you took with that camera were really good, but. I, I won't well, let's tell plan that on doing this again. That's... Let's plan on doing this again during turkey season. That would be fun because you know usually by the time the turkey season opens, you get you get to talk about stuff like this, and you got this one hunt you get to share, or you learn something that happened today, or you, you got this turkey that did this, and you know there's always that one turkey where you tell a story about a turkey, and there's a guy or somebody listening going, "Man, I had that same experience too," and I can't tell you how many times you tell a story about something, and somebody says, "I had that happen too." Let me tell you what I did. Next day you go back and try that tactic, and boom, you wind up killing that turkey. So, well, it, it, that's the truth. You know, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just, I was just gonna say, man, I've learned so much just pre-hunt and then post-hunt about what happened from from hunting with Troy. It, it's, I, I wouldn't be where I am today as far as turkey knowledge without hunting with you for three or four years, a lot of mornings and. I appreciate well, it, bud, because uh, you taught me a lot. I appreciate you. My funnest thing about hunting with Rocky is is whenever you come to a ridge, you let Rocky go first because he's so doggone tall, he can see over the ridge way before <laughs> you, know, you get about, there. So you, I was about to you ask how many much turkeys like that. it is <laughs> to hide him. It's That's not a challenge. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's actually an advantage. You can hide behind him, and if there's no trees to sit up, you, just, you tell Rocky <laughs> to don't move, and you just sit up against his Sit up next to Rocky. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's pretty good. Oh, that's good. 
Troy, before we go, uh, a lot of people want to know, what is your go-to call? What are you going to all season? I mean, what, you know, what is your mouth, first call I'm, you're going to all season? I'm a mouth call man. I mean, the very first call I'm going to is I'm going to a locator call. I want to know where they at. So whether it's an owl call, whether it's a crow call, whether it's something like that, I want to I want to know where he is. So I'm going to locate him some kind of way, whether I do it with my natural voice or I use an owl hooter or I use a hawk call, pileated woodpecker, whatever. But when it's time to get down to business, I'm a mouth call man, and that just really comes from years of running video cameras and not being able to run a box or a slate. Nothing wrong with either one of those calls, but it's something that I've used more than anything and, and kind of perfected it and gives me the confidence. So I always tell people this, let the turkey tell you what he wants to hear, but use what you're more com- the most confident in because when, when you have that confidence in you, it's just like your gun. You know, you if, if you didn't pattern your gun or you know what your gun's doing in today's world of TSS and everybody's shooting turkeys at 70s and 80 yards with these number nines, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for them, but I'd much rather shoot them at 20 yards because I know I did what I wanted to do. I enjoyed the hunt. If I want to shoot turkeys at 80s and 80 and 90 yards, I just shouldn't go shoot them with a rifle. But my go-to call is going to oh. be a mouth call, and that's me. Oh, God. Oh, no. just stop right there. Cause, oh, we don't have time. You just, you just poked the bear. Holy <laughs> smoke, did, did you poke a bear? We don't have time. <laughs> nope. Somebody, we'll somebody wants that to one another somebody day. Wants to, Somebody no, wants to I don't. No, no, I, no, I don't. I just. Uh, he actually, that, he that, actually that, wrote that an article was, last week about this. Look, oh, I mean, yeah. this is this is, and this is my honest feeling about all that. I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. It, it, it's it's so effective. It's scary. But if that TSS could ever get affordable, and and I'm going to do it this year because it's legal. Um, can you imagine shooting that at ducks? You'd never miss a duck. You know, I've thought that too because it is. It's non-toxic, but yeah, and, and the 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 yeah the the seventy and eighty yard stuff that that was that was my my most frequent rant at the lodge. How Rocky and I got off talking about stuff. That's what it was. I, I mean, yeah, look, man. Look, I mean, I, you poked a you, you poked a grizzly bear with a stick. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, there, there, it, yeah. there's no doubt that that stuff will kill them that far. The, the, the problem I have with it is. It, if you're going to shoot something that far, especially a bird like that, there, there's just so much room for error. Um, I'm not saying you can, and I'm, not, and I'm not against a guy that can. There's no there's no legality in it whatsoever. But you know, the, the name of the game in turkey hunting, and just like bow hunting, it's not how close, it's not how far, it's how close. And you know, you know, you can you can miss them at 10 yards, just like you can miss them at 90 yards. But I just enjoy I enjoy calling them in close and just being able to enjoy the the, the sheer that sheer part of turkey hunting. That's that's what turkey hunting is all about. When you get them in that close and, you know, even if you don't kill him and you get a turkey in that close, you beat him at his own game. And, and to, beat, to, to beat one of God's creatures at their own game, when they lived there 365 days and we just visited five weeks out of the season, you, you've done something as a hunter, you've done something as a woodsman and, and the respect of the animal. So, you know, I, I ain't got nothing against TSS. I got a bunch of friends that shoot it and they love it and, the more I keep watching what they're doing with turkeys with it, I'm thinking I'm going to load me about 100 of them next year for duck season. When I know I got those days that I got to reach out and touch them, I'm hunting on the edge of a big bean field or something, I'm going to start whacking them ducks at about 60 yards and kill them dead. <laughs> All right. All right, so you, you're going to come back in the next few weeks. So we're going to talk a little bit of science behind turkeys, right? Absolutely. I'd love to. I, I'm, I'm no scientist, but... 
I've had enough of them, you know, befoozle me enough to really to be able to say, well, this this is what happened on this day, and this is what happened on that day, and this is what I did to kill that turkey. And let me tell you something. You can't call all of them, and I'll put it to you this way. If you ain't getting mud in your top front pockets of your shirt, because you can ask Rocky about that one we killed in Florida, we called that turkey up, but we had to low crawl to get in that turkey's comfort zone to get him where we needed to get him to kill him. So ain't nothing wrong with low crawling. Ain't nothing wrong with shooting him out of a tree, off a tree limb either. If you're stealthy <laughs> enough to get up under that sucker and shoot him off the limb, more power to you. You know, there's, there's a, a, of course, we're all, look, I, I was fortunate to be, to be raised and to be taught ways of woods by, um, by men a lot older than me. My granddad, another real close family friend, um, who, who's an older gentleman, but, uh, th- those were two of the things that that they always told me, Troy. Was uh, you know, if 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 you if you're bad enough to get under him on a limb, you shoot him off that limb. But yeah, I told me, when, when you it, said that about the about the mud in in your in your pocket, you know, real quick, yeah, I say um, I never will forget my brother. My, there's seven year difference between me and my brother. Um, I'm I'm older. So anyway, one of the first years he really got old enough to start going with me and papa uh, turkey hunting <laughs> we had to get in a we had to get in a ditch to go way up this long it was, it was a ditch in a pasture we had to go way up this long bottom of the wide open pasture and that ditch was the only way to do it in the daylight we got down in the ditch anyway of course kyle you know at the time he was a little bitty thing and we're going through there it didn't even by the time we got in the ditch it, it did him no good to even have boots on you know, he was wet well, a little, <laughs> little farther down the ditch, you know, it's up to my knees, you know, up to me and my granddad's knees. Well, which is Kyle's waist, you know, and there's two, there's two long beards at the other end of this pasture we're trying to get to. And my little brother, he was in between us, you know, and I was in the very back. I never forget it. That little hand reached up. He he grabbed Papa on the belt loop and shook him. Papa turned around. He said, "What?" He said, "Papa." He said, "This water's getting deep." He said, "You don't tell me again until it gets to your neck." And to this day, my brother has not complained a bit about getting his ditch and, and sneaking on the gobbler. <laughs> I, and we killed we killed a turkey. And, and it was, look, I'm not kidding you. And, and it is no joke. That water was on about to his chest. I mean, he, he he was holding my hand, and it was about to his chest before we got to where we could get out and get where we need to be to kill that turkey. That was one of the funniest mm-hmm. things I've ever And people, people you know, got on to my granddaddy telling that story. I can't believe you'd do that. And he said, no, he said, I made a turkey hunter out of that boy. And he, and he right, did. And he did. Don't say nothing you, to me, son, until you start blowing bubbles. That's it. He said, he said you, don't, you, don't, you don't let me know again until the water is to your neck. And Kyle's, yes, sir. And that was it. He never said another word. That poor child rode home in his underwear he was soaking wet. It was funny. Woo. Yeah, but, that, you know, and that's, that's one thing that's I do. That's a great story. And that's one thing I do every year. Um, you know, of course, as hunters, we have a thousand superstitions. But but one thing I do every I mean I talk to my granddad all the time. I'm lucky you still have him, still be able to hunt with him a lot. But every year the night before turkey season opens, um, you know, I, I mean, like I say, look, we we talk two or three times a week, but every single year well, the night before opening day I call and, and me and Papa talk for two, three and sometimes four hours. Um Man, what a, what that's a just that's just something uh that's something I've done. I mean, not just since I'm married and moved off, and which I'm really not moved off, I'm not far from home as it is, but but I, I've done that since I was in high school. Really since I was old enough to drive, because it, when it got to that point, there were some times where, you know, we, we were always together opening morning up until um, 
until I could drive. And then, you know, there was a few opening ones there when I was in high school where I'd go hunt with a buddy or something opening day. But but I, I started doing that then, and that's something I, I still do. I look forward to, like I said, I talk to him two or three times a week, some weeks every day. But I look forward to that phone call every every year more than any. Um, it gets me choked wow. up thinking about it. Just just because I, I that's what I look forward to because that that man was well, those, those are memories you'll hold on to forever. Oh yeah. Well, and that, you know, which I I lost. You know, Troy. I you, you know you don't know that about me, but I lost my dad when I was twelve. Um, you know, he was a perfectly mm-hmm. healthy thirty eight year old man, and you know passed away in his sleep. Um, but uh, you know, my granddad is even before that. We we were best friends but um but especially since then which that's been 16 years ago now but but anyway but you know he was when i was four years old he was selfless enough to to take me you know he he, he put put me first and wanted me to have as many opportunities in the woods at daylight as possible and i i will mm. never ever be able to repay him for that um but but that's uh you know man that we we but anyway, that that's one. That's some. That's some of what's. That's some, that, that's a lot of what's been lost by by these younger generations. Is is they for some reason? I mean, they had somebody take them, and they had somebody show them. Right. I mean, I truly believe everybody had somebody absolutely take them at some point. But the the respect for whoever that individual was has been lost somewhere. Which that and that, that breaks my heart, but it, it's it's the truth. Um, but that's that's not something that you ever ever catch me doing. Like I said, that that one phone call, that's the one I look forward to every year. Oh, that one. Well, I'll tell you, I, I've I've been blessed to duck hunt with a lot of people across this this country, and and I made this comment many times before about Rocky. That there's nobody that I've been around that is more passionate about waterfowl hunting when it comes to to not only guiding but bringing people introducing people and and sharing the love whether it's the science whether it's the the addiction whatever it is about waterfowl hunting and then rocky rocky absolutely loves it he's turned it into a a family business uh, with him and his wife and his kids and it's just i've always it's contagious to be around rocky because Rocky's one of those that, you know, you got people that will get up in the morning and go duck hunting and all they'll do is complain. And it can be the worst day with no ducks flying, with nothing going on, and Rocky's just, you know, he's already thinking about what we're doing tomorrow and what can we do to make the day work. And, man, it's so great. Just glad to be. Just that that true respect that he gives to 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 the waterfowl and the waterfowl hunting, Rocky's got that. And, and that's what I've always enjoyed about hunting with him. I, I just... I never forget the last. I think the last time him and I hunted together, we were walking across right there behind his lodge, walking across slough, and I went head first through the ice, tripped on a log, went head first through the ice. He grabbed me by the back of the shirt. We got in the boat. He drove me across the, the water. Uh, took my waders off and took my clothes off. He said he was going to give me some clothes. I said, "Man, I can't fit in your clothes." He came back with some of his wife's clothes, Roy Ann's clothes. I put Roy Ann's clothes on, and we went hunting. That is the truth. That's true. And it was cold. It was cold. Gosh, it was cold. I remember my head hitting the ice. I thought I was going to bounce off of it, but I went right through it. So I guess that does solidify. I got a hard hit. I don't know. Well, I appreciate it because you returned every bit of that and more in our turkey hunting because I have learned a ton of stuff. But, guys, we are out of time. Troy, 
couple of weeks. I'm going to hold you to it, brother, because there is yeah, a man. lot of knowledge in that head of yours that I want people to hear because, man, it's a, it's a, I say knowledge, it's wisdom. Wisdom comes from failing a lot of times. Let's make sure we get so, to go hunting this year. We didn't do it last year, but God willing, we'll get to do it this year. I got about a two-week stretch right in the beginning of April there where I'm I'm kind of slow. So if the weather's good, I'll, I'll be around home and be around here. And if if we got to hone up somebody to let us go hunt a turkey on that place, or even if they don't have turkeys and they just tell us they got turkeys, it's worth going to me. I don't care. So you ride the, you're more than welcome to ride to Oklahoma with Josh and I. But we'll talk about that later on. But look, before we, yeah, before we go, I want to, I want to tell you this podcast has been brought to you by Four Corner Property and Mr. Joseph Presley. Now, if you're looking for a piece of recreational property anywhere in Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Joseph is the guy to give a call. You can reach Joseph at six zero one five four zero seven two four zero. We want to thank you, Joseph, for sponsoring this podcast. All right, Troy, thank you for – I know we said we were going to keep you for 30 minutes, but, man, when when you get to talking and you start talking about the old days and TNN and Preston Pittman, man, I could sit back and listen to you for hours, tell these stories. It's, it's fun. I mean, it's it's fun to go back and look at all them old pictures. I'll tell you one time with Preston, I'll give you a real quick story about him. He came down home to come catch some redfish with me, and we were trolling down this bayou catching redfish, and, I saw this a six-foot alligator coming across the bayou, so I just cast out there and hooked the alligator and reeled it in a boat and got it by the boat, and Preston looked at me, and he says, what are you going to do with that alligator? I said, I'm going to put him in a boat. He said, well, if you put that alligator in the boat, I'm getting out. I said, well, where do you think the alligator came from? He says, you're right. He said, don't put that alligator in that boat. (laughs) (laughs) He made made, made me turn the alligator loose off the line and, and made sure it swam off before he would get... He was standing on the very top of the boat, on the back of the boat. I said, Preston, you're going to run out of room at some point in time. He said, Ruiz, you crazy coon ass, don't put that alligator in this boat. <laughs> hey, I, before before we go, look, do you do y'all all agree that, that you, you know, Preston is Mr. Turkey, but does he not look just like a turkey, too? Well, you know, <laughs> he, you know he was born, he was hatched on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> really? Are yeah, you his joking? Birthday's Thanksgiving. Huh. Nah, I wow. never knew that about him. Mm. That is unreal. Oh, yeah. My wife, Roy Ann, the first time she met Preston, Preston and I have gotten to be friends over the years through that connection with you. But anyway, Roy Ann, the first time she ever met him, and he was sitting there talking turkey and talking turkey, and Roy Ann said, I've never seen anybody that looks looks just like what they do. <laughs> <laughs> he, he spent he spent his life figuring them out and, and doing what they do and you know he'll he'll tell you I'm not the prettiest person in the world but if, if I'm gonna look like something I'm gonna look like something I truly love love to be a part of he said so there we go and he look he looks and acts and talks just like a turkey but yeah he, he Troy, looks more you. like a big old gobbler now because he got that big old he got that big belly on him now it kind of sticks out looks like a big old breast. Oh, all right. Well, look, a couple of weeks, we'll be back talking to you about science. Uh, later on this week, we'll have Mr. Jimmy Slater from Slater's Jig. He's going to be talking crappie fishing with us this this week. Josh, thank you, bud. Enjoyed it. Look, I get both of y'all. I really have enjoyed just, just sitting back listening to y'all. Some unbelievable stuff in this podcast. But 
All of you out there, thank you for joining us for this edition of the On The X Podcast, powered by DuckTouse.com.